0: Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to Same As It Ever Was, where we literally don't know what we're going to talk about. Hey, 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 JB. Hey there, brother.
1: What's going on, Bob? Episode 5. That's what's going down. Yes indeed, ladies and gentlemen out there in computer radio land. How art thou? How art thou? <laughs> so, have you decided, have you decided on the the title for the our episode 5?
0: Uh so let's see. Uh, it's Attack of the Clones. So, I don't I don't know. I have to, I have to think of it
1: a talk on the phones
0: talk on the phones
1: a talk on the phones <laughs> oh
0: man an unprecedented an unprecedented amount of data usage at the uh, the uh the household whether it's from the the phone or even like the the internet like my internet provider i have a uh like it's called Giga blast and i I didn't know I had a limited amount of uh, of data that I could stream before they thought it all down but we've met that we've
1: oh I have absolutely no doubt I think it was uh actually I think it was Verizon um, that actually came out and said that they were offering basically for as long as this you know everybody's in uh, you know this shelter in place that uh, that they were going to add a certain amount of um, data, uh, for free to their customers. I mean, just knowing that everybody's at home now, I mean, there's obviously usually, usually you had that sort of, you know, that lull during the daytime hours where folks are at school or at work. Um, and now everybody's just home 24 seven. So, I mean, I, I definitely could see that, you know, um, you know, for, I've got like the whole unlimited data thing. So it, it wasn't so much of a, of a pinch for me, but Man, I tell you, when you get close, you know, it wasn't too long ago that we actually had like the limit, and when you'd get close to it, you'd be like, "What in the world is anybody in this house doing on the internet?"
0: Well, see, that's that's the, yeah, that's Just the feeling. thing that that you know, I we have unlimited data on our phones, right? But on our internet provider, like, I, like I think we have like a terabyte. Oh wow. Yeah, we've gone through a terabyte. You know, my kids, they they play, they stream games online all the time. And then, yep. you know, uh, watching streamed movies, uh, just, it, it's, yeah, man. <laughs> well, it's
1: crazy. I mean, it really is. I didn't, I, you know, I'm not a big gamer, um, but I will say uh, about a year and a half ago, I guess it was for Christmas, almost a year and a half ago um that my kids got me a ps4 um which i was sort of like huh that's weird because i'm not a big game guy but i had been talking about uh that game what is it called it was the red Red redemption yeah red dead red redemption or whatever it is red dead redemption or something i always call it the cowboy game so i told my wife i'm gonna go play the cowboy game (laughs) but anyway the whole point being that when they came out with the new one you know, they got me the system. They got me the game. And, you know, I'm used to just like, okay, you put the disc in and you play the game, you know. And yeah. it was like, it was like, I oh, no, no, that's not how it works anymore. I was like, what do you mean? They're like, you got to put in the data disc first. I'm like, what do you mean the data disc? They're like, oh, you, well, you have to put the game, the data disc in so that the PS4 can actually download yeah. all of the information about the game because they become so you know, so detailed, the the um, fidelity of them, the detail and all of the commu- computer animation and everything is just so, it requires so much memory, um, so much data that it actually, you know, you have to put a whole disc's worth of data into the machine before you can play, like take the play disc and now play the game, you know, and it took obviously, it took like hours for this whole thing to download from this data disc. I'm like, wow, man. That's crazy. Yeah, like, yeah and what happened with Super Nintendo? You just had to blow into the blow into the cartridge yep. and stick it in there.
0: Couple <laughs> a couple of times.
1: Yeah, right, right. Exactly. Yeah, damn it, what's wrong? Just blowing the cartridge, man. Be blow, awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No dust. <justice. laughs> but yeah, it's
0: it's it's been you know, I and I have my, my oldest son who today is his birthday, turned
1: fifteen. Oh yeah. This is Joaquin.
0: Yeah, fifteen. Hey,
1: okay, happy birthday, big guy.
0: Uh you know, he's he is but he wants professional gamer slash youtuber
1: i heard that story once too yeah my my, my son had the same story one time well
0: so so i'm keeping it to him where you know uh our setup we have what's called the game room so like we have a lot of systems down there his xbox is down there even though it overheats up upstairs in my room so i gotta have it downstairs okay yeah because you want the you yeah. know the big, mm-hmm. the bigger TV, but so no, in right. the game room, <laughs> yeah, in the game room, they have a huge like fifty-five inch TV, sure. And then you know we had the Switch, uh, then then the Xbox, uh, and then we have uh, this this one system called Pandora's Box that has like fifteen hundred of the old school games. That's for me, uh, right. And I haven't played that in a while because he just controls that, but. What I told him was like, okay, well, then you need to practice. Sure, so pra- you yeah. got to pray and and not like, you know, this is this games like Fortnite and Call of Duty, and all that. That's like, you know, this generation's social outlets. Oh, and so yeah. he'll he'll get online with friends and play for hours. And I'm like, no, 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 mm-hmm. you
1: need
0: you need to pr- You need to get your reps in, and. uh, we had a heart-to-heart. Heart. was like, hey, is this what you really want to do? He's like, absolutely. He's like, all right. Well, then you, you got to start in Fortnite is his game of choice. Um, you can you have to level up, and then you can start playing the tournaments for money. Right, yeah. And it takes a considerable amount of time and effort to do that. I bet. And, and he is, like, on the cusp now. And this has only been a couple of three months so, really? he's, he's at the point now where, yeah, for Christmas, I bought him, like, a, a, a tricked-out controller, specifically for Fortnite, and that's helped leaps and bounds, because when usually these, the, the pro pros play on a computer. Right. But, I want to see how serious he is first, because, you know, when you start getting into gaming computers, that's some bucks. It's, no, it it's, it's not Xbox. No, it's not. No, it's not. Uh, so, so, yeah. but... So then he got to the point where I'm like, why are you not practicing? Like, he was doing nothing in his room. He's like, why are you not practicing? Right. And, and then he was like, okay. And I'm like, please text all your friends right now that your dad is making you play a video game. <laughs>
1: yeah. And they, I won't believe, like,
0: they won't believe you. <laughs> yeah. My dad makes me play video games all the time
1: because I said I want to be a professional. <laughs> Well, I mean, it is crazy. It was it It, it makes me think of uh, I remember when I was at the uh, the the Navy instructor course um, down in uh, Virginia Beach and uh, totally crazy. I remember there's this guy who was in my class and I don't remember what he did. He was a sailor. I don't remember what his job was, but, you know, his big thing was Madden. And mm. um he basically was talking about how like he actually would compete playing Madden against other people. You know, Um, I don't know if he was doing tournaments or whatever, but like, you know, he was talking, he basically, he was talking about how like one of the things that he was really upset about or concerned about with having to become an instructor was he was concerned about how much time it was going to take out of his, you know, his personal time, because if it, you know, if it required too much time and effort, then that means that his his thumbs were going to get rusty, and he had to make sure that he had his Madden thumbs ready to go. <laughs> he had to go win these. T- I'm just like, dude. So fast, fast forward.
0: Now the Navy has esports, right? The, yeah, the Navy, like in the last couple of months, just said, "Hey, we're going to start an esport team to go represent the Navy in all these tournaments."
1: Isn't that crazy, man? <laughs> hey. You know, you got enough of these dudes who are sitting on ship or they're sitting in their barracks, you know? I mean, I remember being stationed in Hawaii, man, and you had these young Marines that are just, all they did was sit in their barracks and play video games. I'm like, dude, you live in Hawaii. This is paradise, man. People, like, dream their entire lives of coming here for a week, and the government is paying you to live here, and you never leave your barracks room. Yeah, (laughs) well,
0: (laughs) you know, I will say that, uh, uh when like the time we're in right now what's going on in the world right now you know nascar hit it perfectly and they can where they've been doing the eye racing
1: i so, know it's crazy so they the actual drivers who are competing against
0: each they other they gave them all setups and it's real cars and go you know what i mean like yeah uh Think about it. If someone just gets a you know hair up their ass and says, "Hey, why are we paying so much for these cars when when we can do that?" We had nine hundred thousand people watch this yeah. race. What it's are we? So I, I think that you know, there's there's some things going to change. Yeah, sure
1: you know i mean i don't know i I don't know about i don't know about these drivers just becoming virtual drivers for the rest of their careers i mean i know it's fun and everything but obviously there's a novelty to it everybody's sort of stuck in this condition um at least right now i think that the you know obviously the one thing the, the the real element that is missing out of obviously you know this virtual race is any real sense of impending danger which that's a big part of the that's a big part of you know auto racing you know no matter what kind it is is the thrill of the danger of what could potentially happen you know what i mean
0: yeah i mean i mean it, it, it happens you- there because the last race i i watched a little bit of it and one guy knew he wasn't going to win and he didn't want this other guy to win so he just crashed he tried to wreck him on purpose and he got black flagged. <laughs> because because what there's there's there, there's no danger of them hurting themselves, and it's not a real car.
1: Exactly. You're like, what the heck? Why? Not? He was like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go take him out. About. <laughs> hey man, you know, in in this new day and age, you do, you know, you do what you got to do, you know. <laughs> Anyhow, so it's Thursday. Yes. And as as per usual, uh, the the regular Thursday docket. We've got. Uh, what's the last thing that you watched on YouTube? What do you got oh, for man. us? Oh man!
0: So <laughs> I was like, oh, I wonder what it is. Right before I, I had you sign on, I was like, let me see what mine is. I was like, wow, this is really out there. First, it it might be, uh, but I first I should I, I want to give you a little background. Uh, I I like art. Uh, I had a friend of mine who she's in the art world that got me into art a long time ago. And uh, you know, my tastes vary from time to time, but, and you've Mm -hmm. been in my, my house where, you know, I have some pieces hanging up and there's some pieces that I'm like, no, I'm not going to put that out. And like right now I've re because we've had so much time, uh, I've redone some things and hung some things and whatever. And like, I have a lot of the pieces up now, but.
1: What, what, let me ask you real quick. Cause I do not invest in art at all. Like when Jennifer and I buy things to put on our walls, they're usually purchased at target. Um, what is your greatest determining factor when you decide whether or not something is actually going to go up on the wall or is going to stay in the closet or something how much it's worth <laughs> <laughs> um, and why not you know why not well do you leave the little price tag on there though so people you know what
0: that's that is the biggest thing with art is and and we'll we'll get into this when i talk about the video but, Okay. and and i'm trying to teach my kids about it because they draw a lot right it, it's a, it's it's a thing that you know uh, cavemen were doing were drawing on things yes and it's you know as history hired, you could just go on and and, and you know go through history it's like yeah man the royal man ha- has been right. putting things to paper <laughs> as a means to tell a story right sure and there's this really cool piece that I got from a local artist and uh, it was a, it was a, we were doing a fundraiser for, for a local musician and you know, I, I put the, my, my bid in the blind bid and I ended up winning it. And, and it's, it's a big piece. It's like, uh, I think it's almost like 20, 28 tall and, like maybe eighteen wide it's it's pretty big, but that's that's the centerpiece obviously like that's a huge piece so that's that's the center it's like in the living room but right, but when I brought it home, and it's trying to get my kids to understand like, well, why did I like this and right. and first of all, I, I like the colors it was it's a picture of a guitar, okay but the coolest thing about it and they don't get it they, like they just see it right and i'm like no it's it's that whole thing why people like you go up to people and like they, they're staring at art for a long time and some people don't get it right but the coolest thing about this this piece is that the guitar is drawn and it's it's one continuous line okay so you, you have to see that, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll post it on our page, but like, it's just one line you, It for the entire thing. Like the the picture of the guitar is one line. It kind of looks a little Picasso-esque, very 1950s, right. but, but yeah, it's sure. just one continuous line, the whole thing. It never breaks. Okay. So, you know, once you, if you really studied it, you could probably learn how to, it's kind of like a cursive guitar. How about that? It's a cursive guitar.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I get you I get what you mean. That's really cool. And
0: so then once they got it, they got it, right? It's like, oh cool. Right. All right. So the last video that I have is of uh I was I'm in this street art right now. So there's okay. Uh, street art is different from graffiti because people who are graffiti artists have they have real true graffiti artists have a code um and it goes way back to like you know new york and philadelphia and they have a code like what they can tag you know like where did the where did the term tag come from well someone would put their name or their their initials you know spray can and then someone else would come back and like Put it, and that's kind of like tag. You're it. You know what I mean? It's almost like tag. Right. And then they would do it on the subway. They do it on this. And then there are people that actually started making letters, and all. So there's a whole like it's really cool to get into. But what a street artist does, and some of them are um, Banksy. He's he's from Bristol, uh, in the UK. Yeah, uh, Ben Ein is another guy that I like um shepherd ferry he's he's a us guy uh these are what i would call uh street artists and okay and they do like they use a lot of stencils shepherd ferry uh is a guy that someone made us he's like hey can you make a stencil of this is a picture of andre the giant and okay. um and then he was like, "Yo, oh, this looks pretty cool." So he made it into like you know those concert posters that you would you know people put up in the olden days, and 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 use like right. the wheat glue and all that shit. Sure, um, he would put these all over the place, and it, and it, he put obey, okay. right? And mm. people were like, "What is this?" He would just literally put. He'd make stickers. Uh, he would go in places in L.A. wherever and just put. Put those up in places where everyone can see them, and we just say obey. And people thought it was like this: what is this, like some kind of terrorist group or whatever? Right. right
1: exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. It's like uh, what was the name of the movie? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With Rowdy Rowdy yes. Piper. <laughs> obey, consume.
0: <laughs> but there. So so. Anyways, the guy that I I, I was just deep diving into YouTube videos. And his name is John Michelle Basquier, right? And you're thinking Ooh, like, what hmm. the heck? No, he's he's from New York. He's American. Um, his uh his parents were Haitian and Puerto Rican. Okay. And man, such a just a interesting story. You know, he he died really young from a uh, drug overdose. Uh Good. and what started his—he always drew, but what started his art career was that he ended up he, like when he was like 13, got hit by a car. I think he was 13, and while he was yeah. recovering, his mom or was his grandmother brought him a gray's Anatomy book, which for those of for those of it's you okay. that you know, it's not the show. <laughs> no
1: no no no. <laughs> it's an it's actual
0: medical book <laughs> called Gray's Anatomy and he studied that and that was kind of like the the number one thing he would like draw like these skulls and like bodies sure. and it would be kind of like half person half bone or whatever but very right. abstract super abstract and he would use like multiple mediums like he would do like paint and pastel whatever uh, but right. he, what he started to do when he was younger, younger, like, you know, 18 to 20s. Um, need some money because he would end up being homeless and like he would paint this stuff and go and sell like he would make like on cardboard, whatever he could find in the street and paint this stuff. And someone's like, oh, this is great. And one of those people ended up being Andy Warhol. Oh, <laughs> so wow. then Warhol was like, man, this guy's a genius, but he doesn't even know it. So uh, he was hanging out with Andy Warhol. This one art uh, gallery owner saw his stuff and she was like, hey, I want you to paint all this stuff. I'll give you all the material you, you want or need. And I have a room below the art gallery. Just paint all the stuff and I'll sell it for you, right? So she was kind of getting a cut. right? And he would stay in there for days. And he, wow. he painted like thousands of pieces right it was like all right well how much is this worth you know and he was like he would be like oh i'll give you you know just give me a hundred bucks whatever and she was like no 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 oh no no god. so then she's let's have yeah you know uh a art you know we'll put you up and you'll have an in-residence and we'll sell stuff well then it was thousand like oh my god yeah. um and t- so he, he has, like, he died. What was he, 20? He was uh, 28. He was only 28 when he died. But he went around and around with, with uh, Andy Warhol. We're friends, we're not friends. Um, there was a guy named Keith Herring, another New York uh, artist that he would hang around. He dated Madonna before she was Madonna. Whoa, yeah, really. Um, <laughs> that's crazy. But he his whole thing is uh, his painting is I can not I don't know the exact I know it was like a, over 100 million dollars. He had a painting sell for like 110 million dollars. Which what? is like number 6. This is what this. Number 6 on the all-time list. Right. But number one for American artists, one hundred and ten million dollars for one painting.
1: I just can't even I don't even know who those people are. That's I mean, that's the thing that blows my mind. I know that the art thing is uh, it's for real. But it's when I hear things like that. And I think to myself, like, who is this person who is like, I love that painting so much. I'm willing to pay one hundred and ten million. It was a Japanese billionaire that, that paid that much for it it's just insane well, to me <laughs>
0: it's just so and, and that's the thing right and like i'm i really enjoy the the works of banksy um
1: okay. his
0: his whole thing is this is that nobody knows who he is he okay he i is, think i've heard of him he has kept before. his identity a secret for right. for ye- like 30 almost 30 years And he'll just put something up. Well, so when he started, he would do, he would, you know, he was a graffiti artist and then he turned into a street artist. Well, what's that mean? Well, when you, when you use a stencil, uh, graffiti was illegal, right? Obviously. But, and so as soon as you tried to set stuff up, you know, and try to spray paint stuff, it takes too long. So then, he got, there's right. a French guy, Black lerat and he was the first one really using stencils. So then he started making these stencils. Well, all you gotta do is just tape the stencil up, spray paint, and then d- within five minutes, you're gone. So then that's, that's right. what he started doing is stenciling and people were like, are you are a sellout? Because the graffiti artists, like I said earlier, they have a, a huge like code, right? Um, yeah. And so, but Banksy started getting a little bit political for people Um, and you know, he would write, you know, like this is like, there's a bridge that you can get like the London bridge in the background is like, this is not a photo opportunity. Right. That's what, that's what he spray painted on. Right. But his stuff that, that he put on walls, people are starting to cut out the walls and sell the walls
1: that's crazy well what's even oh cra- but here's
0: the thing about that he he put that out there for the world to have for free yeah and someone's profiting off of that right right and yeah that's that's that, so that's he did a whole in what he would call an in residence in new york city and all these he would just pop up and just do his thing and then it would show up and people like, oh my god banks is here so one of the last days he was in New York City, he had an old man set up in Central Park, uh, a, a booth on the street next to all the other street artists, and all it, all the signs said right. was spray art, sixty dollars. So any one of and they were all okay. his, and so whoever he had filming it, and it could have been him. Like he set up at 1130, it took four hours for even someone to buy something, right? And it was all his like famous, like, hey, this is my spray like his famous pieces. And so then just, you know, put on canvas. And then he only had three cells and he made $430. One lady was from New Zealand, found out it was that... She bought Banksy stuff, right? She bought two pieces.
1: Right. Here's
0: the unfortunate thing. She sold them. But she also made okay. a quarter of a million dollars off of two pieces
1: that Holy she bought Mackerel.
0: for 60 bucks because she said, Hey, I only have I'm going back to New Zealand, and this is how much cash I have left up, but I really want these two. And the guy was like, Okay. So so huh. what does that mean? What's the whole thing, right? like what you said who determines how much that's really worth and then and then like you know he tried to sell he tried to sell his artwork on the streets in new york city and no one bought anything it wasn't until it got into a gallery that someone said it was worth something
1: right exactly and that's the thing—is like you say. It's—it's it's only you know. At what point do you determine the real value or the worth? of You know little, what it is. And it's like, like anything,
0: that. whether it's the the Christmas present that that is the the big fad for the year, whether it's cabbage patch kids or tickle me Elmo or to nowadays for you know toilet paper. It's right. like oh, this is in yeah. demand. like this is in demand. So I'm going to get that.
1: Wow. Yeah, that's, it's crazy, man. You know, there's actually, I was just looking it up, because I remember seeing a movie years and years and years ago. And I think it might be this movie, Wild Style. Well, that sounds, Wild Style, um, that sounds very yeah. graffiti movie, because Wild Style is a style. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, this is a, this is actually a, I mean, it's a, it's a, a movie, it's a drama about a graffiti artist in New York city. I think this is the one, uh, back it it was released back in 1983. Um, and I, I, like I say, I remember seeing it when I was a kid and it was really sort of this drama that was about, um, this kid who's obviously, he's like a teenager and he's like a graffiti street artist, you know, whatever. Um, and sort of the struggle that he's going through because obviously there's all this competition, with other artists and people are trying to stake out places where they're actually going to create their stuff. And obviously the graffiti thing is illegal, you know, so you're constantly competing with that and issues in his personal life and whatever. But I don't know why that movie always sort of stuck in my head. And when you were talking about, it, made me think of it, I'm pretty sure. Um, I'm pretty sure this is uh, the film wild style, but uh, so the, the video
0: oh here we go. YouTube.
1: So for me, the video on YouTube, you and I have talked about this before. Uh, it's actually a, it's a it's oh. an excerpt of. Uh, okay, yeah. August. Aja, yes, by Steely Dan. Um, which I'm going to tell everybody in the listening audience. And I don't know if anybody had seen my personal, this past week, I was doing a, uh, I was doing a, you know, sitting around here, you know, in lockdown, um, and somebody had shared a thing, uh, uh the wife of one of my friends had shared a thing saying, you know, for the next 10 days, each day, without an explanation, words or anything, select an album that you feel was pivotal in your life in some way, you know, um, that it moved you, you know, molded you, you know, whatever the case may be. So each day I was going along and posting these various um, albums that I had chosen, um, which I mean, is pretty hard, especially as a musician, because you own this like library of music, you know, and it's kind of hard to think back and think, okay, well, what were the ones that really sort of were pivotal in my life? Um, And one of the ones that I posted was Aja, if there were ever an um, all-star
0: I, compilation of artists in one album, like to me, that it's, it's Aja.
1: Oh, I think I, I, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, it's interesting. And I'm a big Steely Dan fan, you know, I, and I know like, you know, you've got a very eclectic sort of taste in music and I do too. Um, you know, I'm a big metal head. I love thrash metal, um, you know, Megadeth, Anthrax, all that sort of stuff. But at the same time, I really love artists. And, and these were some of the artists that I had shared uh, over the past 10 days, you know, artists mm-hmm. like Donald Fagan, you know, um, artists like Pat Metheny, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, they're just visionaries in my mind. Um, so I agree with you. Uh, you know, the thing about Aja, you um, you know, as a fan, you sort of learn a lot about the bands and 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 the way that their albums are made and and this video, this documentary from I think it was v h one who did classic albums. that was like a series on v h one. um and if you if anybody out there, if you have not had the chance, look it up, I think you can find the a bunch of these classic albums episodes on like Netflix now. um and they're awesome. I mean, they cut you know stuff like uh, you know Fleetwood Mac doing. Uh, The recording, the making of Rumors, you know, um, another classic album. Uh, But anyway, with with Steely Dan, the interesting thing is that, you know, once Steely Dan years ago decided that they weren't going to tour anymore, that they were going to be purely a studio group, you know, what that really did for them is it provided them with the flexibility of being able to decide exactly who was going to play on their, going to play their music, you know, because... You know, the band itself, really, we say Steely Dan, but it was Walter Becker and
0: Donald. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, they were the gatekeepers you know, and everyone else. I mean, yeah, <laughs> Josie. At,
1: yeah. Everybody else was a hired gun. Everybody else was a hired gun, you know. Um, and it was interesting the way that Donald, What well, you know, back before I was in the Marine Corps, I had gone to Berkeley College of Music for like three years. And I was studying production and engineering And I had a couple of these instructors when I had the fortune of being there um, that had, man, they had like inside baseball knowledge about stuff because they either had worked with certain artists or they had friends that had worked with particular artists. And I had this one instructor, gosh, I can't remember his name. It was so long ago now. Um, But he was talking about he was a huge Steely Dan fan. You know, and not just the music, but he really, and I do too, I really appreciate the attention to quality in the recording of their music. You know, um, I think that, I think Donald Fagan as a songwriter and as a producer really put a, a ton of, put so much emphasis on the idea of capturing sounds and and representing them the way that you in your mind as a listener imagine. Oh yeah, these things you know sound, the sound the sound know?
0: class that I took. I mean, they I, said, "Hey, if you want to sound check your yeah. system, use a Steely Dan album."
1: Yes, I mean it was it was, you know, and I remember that that was one of the things one of my instructors said was like, you know, what what we're doing in the studio is we're making the effort to we have in our mind's ear. We have what we think the ideal tenor sax sounds like or the ideal drum set sounds like or piano or whatever these instruments are. And your job as an engineer in the studio is to capture that perfect idea that you have in your mind and try to match it up with what you're creating in the studio, you know. And you may never actually get to that perfect thing, but Steely Dan gets about as damn close as you're ever going to get. You know, um, and, you know, the thing is, is that once they decided to become a studio band, like I say, they could essentially they could you know what they used to do. And it's crazy to think about doing this now because, you know, how much studio time costs and, you know, you're paying people to come in and play tracks. But they would do stuff, you know, like they would, you know, they you know, Donald Fagan would write a song and he would bring in like six different drummers to play the same track. Because he was literally writing out all the parts. There was no, like, oh, that's a cool, like, yeah, do that thing. Like, he was, he's a composer, literally writing out all of his, all the parts for all the music. And he would have the drum part, you know, the drum kit part, bring in six different drummers, play down that track. And then he would decide which one of the six tracks he liked the best. And that's the one that's going on the album, you know? Um, the actual title track off this album, and I, I remember hearing this from one of my instructors was, I think it was it's the title track off of Aja. What you hear in that final track is isn't it Steve Gad that um, plays the
0: drums on that, tune?
1: He does. That's Steve Gad playing on that track. Um, but what you hear in that studio recording is actually, pieces of 64 different takes of that track put together into what you hear on the album, which is insane because we talked about this, I think last week or the week before we were talking about, you know, there being a time in the past when, when you went to a recording studio and you wanted to edit things, it literally required you taking magnetic tape and splicing it with a razor blade and a piece of, you know, oh, yeah, of I've, I've spent and like putting it back together
0: in the last you know. month, you know, did studio time for for a band that's local and they just said, yeah, just solo over it, you know, like the whole thing, or what would you do here? And then they just the engineer just spliced and put in whatever they wanted whenever they wanted.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is that today you can do that on a computer. You know, today it's just a matter of like click here, drag here, highlight, pull that around, stick it over here. You know, it wasn't that easy back in the day. You know, they used to do a thing back in the day that um, they used to call scrubbing, and scrubbing was when you actually had two reels of magnetic tape, and in a big studio that would be, you know, two inch, you know, magnetic tape, and you would have to, you'd wear a pair of headphones, and you would literally have to take the a hand on each reel, and you would you would slowly you would zero in on where exactly you wanted to make that cut and you'd slowly have to run the tape over the playhead so that when you're actually playing it it's all you're hearing is it's making these sounds but you're like okay right where that cymbal crash happens that's where it's got to that's where I got to make the cut and when you make this cut man it's final <laughs> cuz you physically just cut the tape with a razor blade you know I mean, just mind-numbing how how tedious that process was back in the day. And to think that Donald Fagan is actually in the studio, like, okay, I like those 12 bars. I like these eight bars. Put those together. I like, you know, whatever. It's neurotic. It's insane. Um, I remember, well, it's just crazy. It's like, I remember uh, this guy telling me, you know, telling me about, uh, I don't know what track it was um, that Fagan was, was playing the piano on and it's at the end of the song and he keeps going back and redoing it and redoing it whatever and it finally gets to this point he's so frustrated the engineer finally had to tell donald like hey don what you're playing is that the is after the fade out so nobody's even going to hear what you're playing right now but he was just so but you know just maniacal about having it perfect you know um and the thing I thought was kind of cool was that I was actually what got me pulling up this video on YouTube was I was having a conversation with a buddy of mine about Bernard Purdy, who um, is he's uh, Deacon Blues. Oh, that was I was asking a question. I was asking, uh, He may have been on Deacon Blues, but the, the um, song I was thinking of was Home at Last. Um, and. You know, the song Home at Last, which I think is on the B side of Aja, um, you know, he played you hear you hear Bernard and he's he's talking in this video about how when he was in the studio and he was you know, he goes in there to play this track, you know, Fagan and and Becker, they're telling him like, We want to shuffle, but we don't want you mm-hmm. to play just like a regular shuffle. You know. He was like shuffles were really popular back in that at that point. And they did not want to have anything on the album that sounded sort of cliche. So we want to have, we want to shuffle, but it, it can't sound like a shuffle. And he was like, oh, so what you want me to play is the, the, the Purdy Shuffle. shuffle. And, and they play the Purdy Shuffle. And they're like, well, okay, what is the Purdy Shuffle? He's like, well, I mean, check it out. So basically what he plays, and you can hear it in Home at Last, he's playing this halftime shuffle, you know, and you can see it in the video where, you know, he's playing, he's on the kit and he's talking about his approach to it. And it's got this, you know, that whole kind of thing happening, you know, I'm going to, I'm going um, to go home, go back. And like and listen I said, to that because
0: this sounds interesting
1: as fuck. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really, really cool. I mean, I thought it was interesting too. not in this particular video that I was watching, um, because you got Fagan and Becker, they're actually in the studio listening to the original tapes and they're going back and isolating tracks so that you can hear different stuff. Um, but you're yes. talking about yep. uh, Peg. You know, well, like, Peg, no, you it, uh, Peg, you hear the, the, right, you hear the, you hear the, uh, the bass part on um, uh, Peg. That whole thing going on. And in this same video if folks, check it out. They're talking to the guy. I can't remember who it was who played bass on that track. And the same thing happened to him, where he's talking about how back when they were putting this album together, that slapping was this really popular thing. And Fagin did not want to have anything cliche, and he kept slapping this part. And Fagin's telling him like, "No, no, 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 don't do that. I don't want. I don't want I don't want that slapping thing happening." And he's like, "Okay, okay, you know, whatever." And he's basically talking about, so basically what he does is he just basically turns his back yeah. to while he's playing the track. And he plays the exact same thing, but because Fagan can't see what he's doing, he's like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I really like that. He's like, I didn't change anything. <laughs> I, just, I just made sure he couldn't see what I was doing, you know. Um, just really, really, like, again, really cool sort of, you know, behind the scenes stuff with the making of these great albums.
0: Well, And I, um, and I think Michael McDonald and I, is it on was that fun.
1: tune as well. He is. He does. Uh, my brother was commenting on that the other day because he was talking about um, uh, it's Josie, I think, um, is the one where, where Michael McDonald is singing backups. And it was apparently it was the first time that that Michael McDonald had ever been in the studio before where he was being asked to harmonize with himself. Because he had always sung like background stuff with a group of people and they would harmonize together. But he had never been put in a position where he had to do individual tracks of himself and harmonize with his own voice, you know, and how what an incredible experience that was, you know, Um, because that's the line from freaking. I think it's Josie, the uh, what is the line? Broadway Duchess, Mm -hmm. darling, if you only knew half as much as everybody thinks you do. (laughs) I love that line, man. It's just classic, you know, but it's a cool, it's a cool, you know, cool documentary. They, they really go into, you know, talking about how making Aja, it was the first album they had ever made on the West coast and how all their albums before Royal scam, pretzel logic, all that stuff. they had written and recorded in New York and all that stuff always had sort of this edgy sound to it. And all of a sudden here they are in California with this totally chilling California vibe, you know, and that was something that they really wanted to catch like capture on the album was this very, just warm, um, you know, tropical sort of California vibe going on, which I think they do. I mean, the entire album is just, yeah, the that they Wayne playing,
0: Shorter, yeah, playing, Tom you know, Scott, and all like, over it. Yeah, of course,
1: oh. I know the Sax guys, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they, they've they got uh, I'm not sure if um, oh, uh, God, uh, Picaro, Jeff Picaro, uh, drummer because I know he played, I, I he thought it was just Toto, Steve Gadd and Bernard, but on the whole album. It I mean of course be.
0: like I'm, you know uh, I you you know I'm more than sure. not, like the drummer names and stuff but like you know as like all the big people you know like I mean I'm sure I know Larry Carlton played with them a lot and then there's a New York guy Steve Kahn. he played with him a lot but anybody else yep. playing guitar from them like I right. don't you know I know the big names Well
1: yeah cuz I know like you oh, said yeah. no, um, Larry Carlton a badass, all over but it. Um, yeah no he's he's a beast um yeah ed green and uh rick morona uh a couple of the other drummers you know i mean it's just like i say it's crazy when you look at i mean i can look at here and i'm just looking at wikipedia and you look at the number of artists that actually perform on this album and it's it's just insane you know it's it's probably that's a, lot, that's a lot of money. Musicians that play on it. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, a lot of money. They're,
0: so, they've got to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Steely Dan, they
1: no, have to be. Or you mean just Steely Dan? They've got to be. They've got to be. I mean, although you never know. I mean, how long did it take Rush to get in there? Like 35 years or something? They've got they to be. I don't even know. That's not even a. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine. They, you know, I can't even imagine that they, they couldn't be. Here, we'll see. Um, they played. Yeah, you got to be the fact I'm checker because, this like, you know, have, you know, we're doing
0: this off of my phone, so I'm like, uh. Yeah, they fact were fact checker. Uh,
1: you know that they were actually. They... They went into the they went into the hall in two thousand one. Okay. Yeah, they got they got inducted in two thousand one. Uh-huh. They were inducted by Moby, who curr- <laughs> who currently right. resides. Well, in the he made enough money. file. Yeah, uh,
0: you know what? A lot of times people go in that whole production thing. Um. So I don't know. So hey, mm. so what are you watching? Uh, you know, on whatever your weapon. Of- like Netflix or whatever. With all
1: this downtime, yeah. Um, well, actually, I've been okay. I I've yeah, done I've, done re-watched, I've been yeah. watching Deadwood. You know, uh, you know, all about the whole sort of cowboy western yeah. thing. Finally finished it today. Finally got to the final three episodes, three three seasons. Finally got to the final episode today. So, um, I know they made a movie out of it. Um, haven't watched that before. Um, Jennifer is still on Grey's Anatomy, which there's like 40 seasons of it, and she's just started season seasons. five. So, I don't know when that's gonna end.
0: <laughs> you know what?
1: Is I don't know, that's gonna be a long time, but everybody, oh, everybody keeps talking about this tiger look, king listen, thing, and I feel like it's wow, seven episodes. I'm
0: falling. We watched it, okay, and I, I will say. I generally give a show like maybe you know one to two episodes. If it doesn't bite me, then I'm not going to watch it.
1: I heard very, I heard that it's very similar. Uh, to this one, like, making I, I, I don't,
0: I don't know about that, but after like you got to get through the first episode, the first episode for those listeners that have not listened to it or watched it. The first episode is just the introduction of characters, so you got to get through that. Once you get through that, then it's a roller coaster. It's like, okay. wow, this documentarian. First of all, he does a great job as a documentarian. Number two, it's amazing that th- that this just fell into his lap. So it, yeah, it, it's okay. It's worth the watch.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, everybody's been, you know, everybody's raving about it. So I'm like, you know, I'm really kind of hoping at least now that I'm done with this whole, you know, Deadwood thing. I think that that's probably going to be the next thing I want to sort of I want to jump on because everybody's just saying it's so incredible. If you have not seen the making of a murderer documentary, um, you know, that was I was in the same position uh, with that. You know, it came out. Everybody had watched it everybody was raving about it. And I finally said, you know what, we should check this thing out. I didn't really know what to expect. And I mean, unfortunately it seems like in, you know, in the aftermath of the, the, that documentary, you know, there have been allegations leveled that the documentarians, you know, that they didn't, you know, uh, accurately portray everything, that there were certain pieces of information that they sort of left out of their documentary and so forth and so on. But what you see, if you have not seen that film, the story that you are told is you'll be flabbergasted. You know, I mean, you just, you, you watch this and you think to yourself, I cannot, I. I just it blows my mind that we live in a country where there could be that kind of miscarriage of justice. You know, I mean, I know yeah. we all survived right. watching OJ Simpson. I get it. You know, but, you know, this was this is like on a whole other level, you know, um, which I will say, speaking of O.J. Simpson, that's another film. It's not a documentary. It's a, a a dramatization. But a few years ago, they came out with a series. It was a little mini series, I guess, maybe eight episodes long, something like that. It was The People versus O.J. Simpson. If you have not seen that, holy mackerel, man. I mean, what David is he Schwimmer- black? is in there um, playing the part of he plays uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, Kim uh, Kardashian's uh, dad. Uh, it's a very exotic name. name. He was one of his he was yeah, he I was mean, you know, he was one of OG Simpsons obviously very his, close his last name is Kardashian. You know, he was one of <laughs> well, right, right. I just I can't remember what his first name is. But yeah, he was one of OJ Simpson's very, very close friends and he was one of the attorneys in the trial. Robert Kardashian. A um, bunch of different people. Is it Robert Kardashian? Yeah. No, no. Pretty exotic name, Robert. <laughs> <You> <laughs> but yeah, totally no, it's if you haven't Roberto. seen that, I recommend that one too, because it is amazing. Yeah, Roberto. Uh, but that's one of those that's one of those docket or one of those dramatizations that brings a lot of the stuff that we never knew as just the American people watching this thing on television and all the stuff that we learned. You watch this this you know, mini series and it's like, holy mackerel, dude, the stuff that his lawyers did, you know, stuff like. When they were going to go, you know, when the when the lawyers were going to take the jury to, to O.J.'s house and they were going to, you know, walk them around the house and his lawyers knew that, you know, O.J.'s house. I mean, he had all this stuff in his house. He had pictures of him because he used to go like golfing with the LAPD and all this stuff. He had pictures of him with these guys that were on the police force and just I mean, all this kind of stuff everywhere. And when his lawyers knew that the jury was going to be coming to the house, they went in there and completely cleaned the place out and re-decorated re-de- re- uh, his entire house with all of this, like, Afrocentric artwork. You know, they actually had pictures of people, like, they had these certain photos of, like, ethnic people that they put around the house, these were like stock photos. They weren't even people, they weren't even pictures of people. The ones that you buy in the uh, frame. They were just like stock (laughs) photographs. Right, exactly. Yeah, basically it was like his lawyers were, because it was all for them, they knew that turning this jury was a matter of creating a perception. And the perception that they wanted to create was this idea that O.J. Simpson, you know, that O.J. was this proud black man, you know, when the reality is, is that, I mean, O.J. Simpson didn't even identify himself as being a black man. I mean, he told that, he said that to people, you know, I'm not black, you know, but they couldn't let that, they couldn't let that come out. They had to create this, this perception. Um And it was pretty shocking. Like I say, a pretty, pretty amazing uh, mini series, but. Yeah, I mean that's that's sort of where we're at. I mean, you got to, really I, to I, and I've been, thing. you know, they're on
0: the I third mean, season now. But like, I got into Ozark. Wow. Wow. Yes. But, we've been watching hey, that you know that too, what, man. You, you want uh, someone like me, dude. which you know, not qualified, but, um, <laughs> dude, the first episode I was like, wow. Yes. The fr- that's how you uh-huh. oh yeah because we we never seen it are
1: you starting this from the beginning it- really yeah we started way we started way back when the first season started and now the third season just started like last week okay well, oh my god dude it's crazy uh, so
0: crazy. yeah man like crazy I-, I love it we we watch and we haven't you know now it's really thing. really good. other than Tiger King because it was only seven episodes right I start the first episode like last, not this past Friday, but the Friday before. And then it's like Mm. almost like two o'clock in the morning. We start at like about 10 o'clock, right? And then it's like two o'clock in the morning. I'm like, oh my, where's Mm. my wife? She's not, she felt, she must have fell asleep downstairs. No, she, (laughs) she binge watched five episodes because she was just enthralled. With oh Tiger. my god! It's a turn. everybody rec. has said. Like but, you can't stop you know, watching it.
1: I will. I will. I will say another series if you've never gotten gotten into it, and folks out there, if you haven't checked this out, I highly oh, recommend yeah, I haven't it. Oh yeah, I've seen that one. Is Shits Creek? Oh oh, oh, oh my no. god! That's all you have to say. Eugene Levy <laughs> for me personally, yeah. <laughs> dude. Him and he and Kathleen O'Hara. The two of them, uh, they, are, they are comedic geniuses. And this show, I'm telling you right now, man, from the first episode, and we're just about to finish up this latest season, which I'm thinking is their final season, um, it will have you laughing your ass off out loud <laughs> from the minute one. It is just too much, man. Just incredible. The characters, you know... These characters that they create and the circumstances and, and that they called? put them in—just like, what is going
0: on? What is it? Uh, what's it on? Shit's Creek. Hulu.
1: Never. Um. Yeah, I think it's on Hulu. Oh, it's not. Hulu. It's on Hulu, but the, the okay. channel it's on is Pop. Yeah. But yeah, we get it. On, is, we get he it. He is on such Hulu, a great so. comedic actor, um, yeah, in my I opinion. Know. Eugene Levy. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. All uh, those people in all those uh, movies. Chris Elliott. Eugene Levy, Chris Dogg Show.
0: I believe that man has two left feet.
1: Yes. (laughs) Yeah, Best Show. (laughs) Dude, that movie is just freaking too much, dude. It's just too much. Oh, my goodness. Like, that would, they have that that whole comedy troupe. Oh, yeah. A Mighty Wind. uh, A Mighty Wind. Searching you know, for Guffman. I mean, or, and
0: you know, they've the got that. They've got that, the. You know what I mean,
1: but yeah. Yes. Right. Sure. Yeah, but it's just it's this whole and, series. And none of them of, have a of strip. films. You know, uh, it's it's kind of like yeah, Kirby and it's Harry. like everybody's just riffing. <laughs> well, exactly. There you go. Strange, odd. So. But anyhow, I'm gonna let's yep. kind of wrap hey, it up for today. We're up to 285. Emptying um, uh, closer to 300. Oh yeah, man! I don't. Are we? Hey, we just wanted to let everybody know we're we're let's on Apple. A, you got share, share the news, Apple with, Podcast. Uh, with,
0: uh, and we got a nice yes D because I'm the one so, that cusses the most. <laughs> every every oh, every no, episode God, has an E next to it because of me.
1: Oh well, oh well.
0: But look, you know, it, and I've depression. had a couple of people. I'm like, <laughs> hey, you listening to the podcast yet? You know, and they're like, yeah. Well, you know, it, hey, don't don't be misled by that first episode in an hour and 41 minutes long cuz I'm going to tell you what that's that's gold that's that's one hour and 40, yeah, 41 <laughs> minutes of gold and it's like hey well when am i going to have time to guess what every time yeah. you if you still have to go to work drive into work uh you know what i mean like just put it on right uh yeah. if, if you know I, if yeah, you, exactly. you got to take a dump just five Five minute chunks.
1: Put it on. Well, you know we only do two shows a week, so you figure if the show is if the first one was an hour and forty minutes, you could probably wrap up the show. in Yeah, about of course, two or three of course. Yeah, of driving back and forth to work. Hey. You know, and the reality is, is that if you're not driving to work, it's because you're on lockdown and you got nothing else to do anyway. L- listen so, to people. You listen know, to the show.
0: Listen to the show, <laughs> other than you know what's going on. Um. Because, like, like we said before, this is a chance for yes. people to escape from everything else that's going on in the world. Uh, we we try to stay away from it. Uh, you know, uh, we try not to be controversial. It's like, what's on our mind and things. Hey, you know, how many people have ever heard of Jean-Michel Basquiat? You know what I mean? Or Bank, or Aja, or uh, You know, not everything exactly. that's on. Hopefully, this today. gets exactly. you. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna look into this right. and listen to something that's cool. So,
1: sure, absolutely. All right, cool. Well, it's been a pleasure, and thanks to everybody for all your support. Keep on spreading the word to your friends and family, and we'll be back back on uh, back on the uh, all right the we'll see you, internet radio waves all right. on uh, Monday.